I still remember the first time I met William. He was really tall with glasses and a gorgeous smile. Prior to meeting him, I'd been warned by my manager that he was a man that demanded respect and he said, as such, I needed to make sure that prior to any visit to his department that I would call first and request his permission to attend his offices. I had thought it was somewhat peculiar at first, given I was a senior manager in our business. However, there's one thing I know to be true in this life. It's that each of us have our own unique quirks. And this was one of William's. My biggest quirk is that my bed has to be made each morning. The reason for this is that when I come home at night, it provides me with a sense of calm, order if you like, because my work days are often really, really chaotic. I remember a number of quarrels during the course of my own marriage, and most especially when I was the only one working on this very topic. He was always last out of bed and apparently didn't realise that this was a real trigger for me. And I use the word trigger because where William was concerned, he had so many things that created a level of anxiety for him, and often on a daily basis. Sadly though, I didn't get to know him that well. For shortly after our first few meetings, William took his own life. The repercussions of his decisions that day echoed far and wide for his family, for us as his colleagues, and especially within his community. At the time, I was also really active within our community, and I'll never forget that Sunday morning when I had gone to a function that had been organised by our local council. I saw the mayor from across the room as I entered, and I smiled and waved at him, because Gray and I had known each other for a while, socially and professionally. We finally caught up after all the pomp and ceremony had been dealt with and I was a little surprised that he tucked his arm through mine, a little too familiar if you like, but he asked if he could have a word with me and he pulled me to one side, almost conspiratorially. I think it was the vehemence in his voice as he spoke that startled me the most. He said, do you know that I get to see the local police reports and where I See fit the coroner's reports? My mind was absolutely racing because I knew he was referring to William. I shook my head from side to side and could feel myself starting to shake. Did I really want to know what was coming next? Thankfully, Gray was brief, but he did tell me that William was travelling at an extremely high speed and that he had removed his seatbelt before he drove his car off the road and into a tree. To say that I was shocked that day, that I received the news of his death, would be the biggest understatement ever. We had all been offered counselling support at work, and I offered others help and support as well, but I took up the offer for me immediately. You see, I had already suffered two great losses in my life by then, and I knew that talking through my thoughts and feelings with a trained professional 
was for me one of the critical steps in beginning the healing process. You know, it's interesting how some people need to lay blame in these situations, whether it be on themselves or others. I think perhaps that this may be a coping mechanism to stay the rush of devastation that can wash over you. And I often refer to this like being at the beach late at night when you hear high tides smashing against the rocks. Emotions like fear and anxiousness can take us to places that we may never visit on a normal day. Initially, I spent time processing what I had heard, snippets of information, and as is so often the case with workplace chatter, you really have to rationalise what you hear and wash the comments through your mind more than once. Because not everything that you hear is true. And sometimes in situations like this, you are far better off to retreat within yourself, as I did. Don't get me wrong, I was angry though, for I couldn't believe that any colleague of mine could be pushed so hard as to reach such an awful breaking point. I certainly didn't know all of the facts though, and as time went on, fresh pieces of information came to light. I already knew that William was a troubled soul, and in some respects, he actually reminded me of one of the first men that I had fallen head over heels in love with as a young teenage girl. I still recall the day that we met. I had been visiting my sister at the time, and as I had walked past the local garage, I heard a wolf whistle. I stopped, but I couldn't see who he was because the day outside was so brilliantly lit and the garage was cast in the shadows of complete blackness. But there he was, emerging from the shadowy dark, and I'll never forget the brilliance of his smile that day, nor the pounding of my heart within my chest. He had the most amazing, really deep, dark brown eyes, and I knew right away that if I spent too much time looking into them that I might just drown. Our romance was brief because he was much older than I was at the time but it was passionate and as my sister Maggie told me he was officially my first puppy love. We met up a few years later and the romance that had been kindled at 15 burst into flame. But I noticed a darkness in his eyes this time. And that darkness spoke of trauma. And within a year or so of our passionate union, he had made a decision that he didn't want to continue forward due to circumstances that played out late one night. He'd been married quite young. And there was a child, a daughter, whom he adored. His ex-wife had called him, demanding his presence, as she so often did. She was a drinker, you see, and was known to be a mean drunk. They had argued and comments were made in anger by her as to who the child's real father was. And he was a broken man. She told him that he would have no rights to see his beloved daughter, And with that, he left. 
deciding right then in that moment that there was no future left for him. I often ask myself, why, why didn't he reach out to me? I was his friend and I would have listened. Sometimes, even today, I can still see him. The blackness of his hair, those beautiful eyes and his brilliant smile. And yet, I know within my heart that it was not my job to save him. The last time that I saw William, he was standing near a filing cabinet. He was smiling and the warmth in his smile was complemented by the kindness in his eyes. He was a fanatic when it came to plants and his offices were a place of tranquility. I remember how light and airy the place felt when I first walked in and the friendly handshake as his hand extended to envelop mine. I had initially dreaded the meeting, but realised that all he really wanted was to be notified ahead of time that I was going to turn up and work in his offices. You know, he tended his plants with true love and affection, in conjunction with the right amount of water and plant nutrients. Interestingly, this was not the last time that I would see William, though. For a few short weeks after he had been laid to rest, I was to see him again. I was sitting at my desk, pounding on the keyboard in the middle of a busy afternoon, when to my right and in my peripheral vision, I saw him standing there, next to the filing cabinet, right beside my desk. His affable smile was unmistakable. I remember the moment well because I smiled back at him and then realised that he couldn't have actually been standing there. So I closed my eyes for a moment and when I opened them again, he was gone. I couldn't help but wonder if he would have been saddened at the lack of plant life in our offices. Funny the things that go through your mind at times. You know, I was so glad that he had stopped by. His smile was always so infectious and I spent many moments throughout the day reflecting on his visit. I had thought that I would not hear from him again. But as usual, and as is the case with most things in this lifetime, you can never be absolutely sure of anything. I had always been curious about the truth behind what had happened that day, and I do not believe that I shall ever really know for sure. Because as it goes for most disagreements, there are two sides to every story, and somewhere in the middle, we might find what really happened. It was only recently, and over a year since he left, that he came to me in a dream. He first showed me a person he had been in conflict with at the time, then a flash forward to him in an office, begging to save his career, tears tumbling down his cheeks. From there it was like another flash, and we were standing in a house. He was raising a glass half filled with an amber liquid. He raised the glass, taking a drink, almost as though he was giving one last salute. He then looked at me and said, Well, it's time to go. I was so shaken when I awoke from that dream. It was just so random. And I'm still to this day not sure of its purpose. Perhaps it was a warning, or as I prefer to think, 
one last goodbye before he went. <laughs>